Hello, and welcome back to Football on the 40. This Saturday in Morgantown, it will have been 49 days since Texas won a football game. The Longhorn program has fully transitioned into crisis mode, but we're here to make sense of it all. I'm Jake Robinson, and joining us as always are our co-hosts, Andrew Harris, Bowen Kai, Kevin Mathis, and producer Hamilton Lizer. During this episode, we promise to at least try to be a tad more optimistic, and we're going to give you our turnaround plans for this battered program. There may even be a glimmer of progress in our betting quarter slump. All that coming up. But first, as the only one of us to attend the game in person, I want to hand it over to Kev to share his in-game experience against the powerhouse that is the Kansas Jayhawks. <laughs> Appreciate the intro, Jake, and uh, thank you all for joining us once again. I did go to Austin for the game, and... The main reason why I did was to maintain a commitment that I made with my dad to go to the Kansas game. We had, uh, you know, kind of picked this one out early on in the year, felt like the weather would be nice and it would be a game that we would have won. So we decided long ago that we were going to go to the Kansas game. Uh, leading into the weekend, I don't think either of us was that excited about the football, but we were um, looking forward to hanging out together. Um, before the game, we kind of told each other and my dad's friend who joined us, uh, if we're tied at the start of the second quarter, that's a really bad sign uh, because coming into the game, we had really, you know, despite the last four weeks, high expectations because it's Kansas. And at the end of the first quarter, start of the second quarter, we looked at each other and we're like, oh, f <laughs> This is bad. <laughs> and and it was. Um, I texted you guys. If this team was wearing crimson and called the Sooners, I would totally believe it because they were marching all over us. And it was a beatdown. Like, we were just getting our kicked in DKR like I've never really seen before, especially to such a horrible team that only had one win coming into this game. Um, so, you know, things that I noticed during the game, during while that was happening, the fans were leaving. Uh, those that stayed were extremely pessimistic. There was a lot of talk about, you know, being excited about basketball season, not giving a about the football team anymore. And I enjoyed it because like I'm chiming in and, you know, being an honest Texas fan with those around me that I've never met. But at the same time, I lo I'm looking back on it and realizing like the entire football program is going through what we are. And probably 70,000 fans showed up feeling the same way and were really disappointed. So um, those the fans that stayed the whole game were incredible. And there was maybe 30,000 fans at the end of that game for overtime. And the ones that were there were were really loud. And I was surprised at how loud the stadium was with so little people in it it gave me an appreciation for how you know lazy quiet and you know annoying the the white collar texas fans are that sit in in the alumni section that don't make noise the whole game um so i let i ended the game hoping that despite all this maybe the silver lining is that we'll have some of those people not renew their season tickets uh maybe next season because supplies higher the season tickets will be a lot cheaper for 
fans to join and come to games for like $25 and make a lot of noise because um, fans showed their true colors, as did the Kansas fans who were complete uh, at the at the end of the game. And yeah, I've said a lot of colorful words in this because I'm extremely frustrated and especially like not being able to turn the channel off during that game made it even worse. Um, it was just, it, it was the worst loss I've ever seen with my own two eyes. And I've done a little bit of research on it. I think it's, it's like one of the worst losses in Texas football history. Um, the sad thing yeah. is we're, we're so jaded by this. It doesn't even hurt anymore, but here's, here's yeah. a few, uh, here's a few fun statistics about how bad Kansas is not that we needed it. Um, Texas entered the game Saturday, 79 and 0 as a favorite of 24 points or more dating back to 1978. Kansas was 0 in 100 as a 24 point underdog during that same span dating back to 1978. Also, Kansas lost to Duke by 20 points earlier this season. Duke hasn't won a conference game. It's records are made to be broken, baby. <laughs> it's bad. And I did you say this that can that was the first road conference game Kansas has won since 2008? Did not say that, but that is awesome. Yeah, true. we were I was going <laughs> to say that we were like all freshmen in high school the last time they won a road conference game, which is just wild. <laughs> They were pretty good in 2008, too. So. And in 2008, we were in middle school. No, that we were we were in high school. That was our freshman. No, it would have been the fall of 20, 2008. We were, yeah. we were freshmen. Yeah. Because whatever the year ended in May, that's what grade we were in. So, like, May of 2009, right, right. we were in ninth grade. My bad, my bad. But... You know, being in person hurt, as you can imagine. Uh, it's the lowest that I can remember this season for sure, obviously. So to you guys, is this the lowest experience you've had as a Texas fan? Quick answers only. Yeah, I agree with you, Kev. I think it is for me too. I mean, the 2016 loss, like we kind of talked about last week, was pretty painful. I've definitely matured more since our 2016 loss, but this one just hurts more. Um, I definitely think it's it's the bottom for me. See, I don't agree with that personally. Um, I think 2016 was definitely worse, um, maybe because it was the first time. Uh, the first cut is always the deepest. Um, but, yeah, I um, – yeah, I just think 2016 was lower. After that game, I just felt like there was no hope. I, I still think maybe not for this year, but going forward in future years, there's still hope. So it's not as low for me. Yeah. Um, this, I just feel like this season's decline has been more gradual. Um, I, I can't say that any one point of this year has been the lowest of fanhood. There's been some pretty brutal losses when the hopes were up uh, in the past. And so I just feel like it's just been more gradual. And I was texting about this in the, in the group on Saturday um, like, yeah, losing to Kansas freaking sucks, but we are on a four game losing streak before this. So is it really all that much worse? I mean, is there really a difference in being bad and being absolutely terrible? Yeah, there is, but should it make us feel all sorts of ways? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, bad isn't good. So 
worse shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't make you feel that much worse. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at. Just oh. to to jump in, I have to comment on Andrews because I've I've seen commentary about this comparing this loss to the loss in 2016, and there was you're right there was hope after Charlie Strong lost to Kansas on the road, and the reason for that, and you know this isn't like my take I've heard it from others. Uh, the reason for that was the fan base felt that something like that had to happen for us to turn the page and move on from Charlie Strong. So that Saturday evening, we all knew that that was going to be the catalyst for positive change in the short term. And I think this one is worse because we don't have that. We still owe Sark like 27 or $30 million. I forget what number it is, but we signed him to a six-year deal and owe him a lot of money. And we don't have that same, you know, thing coming up on the horizon that gives us hope. Like in the last 10 years, the most exciting, you know, spring and summers as a Texas fan is when you get a new coach and have a new administration taking over. And like, this is going to smolder through this, the off season. And we don't have, you know, a coaching change to look forward to, to next year, which for me makes it a lot worse than 2016. We'll always have the spring game national championship to look forward to. <laughs> that's, that's how our group tech started. Our group techs originally started with the spring game national champs. We're going to win the natty baby. Wow. Yeah, the, we could we could go into further into that and in, in coaching stuff, but I'm sure we will over the the rest of this. So let's let's go ahead and move on into MFK. It's been a few weeks since we've done this, but just as a reminder, this is a mistake that was made. Who you want to fire and who are you keeping? Um. Okay, so I took some liberties with this, so it's not. Um, I'm kind of bending the bending the rules with this one, but uh, mistake. I think it's a mistake for people that keep count that keep on saying that Herman would have had a different result this year. I think people keep keep forgetting that Herman um, at the end of his tenure last year it was just very toxic. Um, sure, we're seven and three in the three games that we had were close losses, but at the same time, recruiting was going downhill. Um, yeah. I just don't think we would have had that much better of a record with Herman this year. And I think he probably would have been fired if he wasn't fired last year. Um, fired. I don't know for the people that watch on TV notice this, but the, the commercials on ESPNU were awful. They were so boring. You know, when you get multiple Copperfit commercials and old sports center commercials that you've seen a hundred times before, and, you know, lastly, a commercial about a power outlet, you know, it's going to be a long night. So it was just rough. I just really dreaded the commercials during that game. Yeah, the commercials were rough and the commentators were rough, too. That guy must have said the word thumb <laughs> at least 47 times. And he tried to show us how to throw a football. And he, he was like, he, I remember like in the first quarter, like early on in the game, he was like, 
oh yeah, you know, I hope I get the chance to show our audience how to throw a football. And then once I heard that, I was like, oh God, he's going to try to actually show us. And then like the start of the second quarter, he was so jazzed about this football. He had the production staff get him a football and the play was starting. He was like, no, I need to show these, our audience how to throw a football. And I was just like, oh my gosh. This is this is a oh rough gosh. game. It was only ESPN's like fifteenth string, you know. It was the <laughs> fourth or fifth best time slot, or fourth or fifth best crew on that time slot, which they have four or five of during the day. Yeah, that was rough. I was I was considering just muting the game, but probably <laughs> should have. But yeah. yeah, we all should have. Agree with you, Andy. Um. Casey did play a lot better once he took the tape off his thumb, but I don't want to give that guy too much credit. Um, <laughs> but uh, last, lastly, uh, you know, just keep the faith. I, you know, I, we'll probably talk about this more in detail in this podcast and future podcasts to come. But I do think there is optimism um, with Sark, even though the record this year is probably going to be four and eight. Um, I, I've seen some elite tendencies this year that I don't think we've seen in a little bit. And I don't know if that necessarily means Sark will be the guy that leads us back to the promised land. But, you know, I told the guys I'd be 1,000% optimistic tonight, and I'm going to keep that promise. So keep the faith. Dang, Andy, I need to put elite tendencies on a shirt. We need to get some football on the 40 t-shirts and elite tendencies definitely needs to definitely needs to be our motto i love that's like that. the new winning is hard <laughs> oh i love that elite tendencies that's what i'm gonna hold on to <laughs> okay i can i can go next my mistake it I, I took some creative liberties with this as well uh similar to andy my mistake was giving up the lead at halftime against ou that broke our team's mental. I mean, that was, I think, the start of, of the crack. And then Casey's pick six, the game after against Oklahoma State, were just the one-two punch that just that just killed us. Um, as far as fire, I'm gonna this isn't an original one. I'm gonna take a page out of the Kevin Kevin playbook, but I think we just need to let Coach Banks go. I was one of the biggest proponents of him. Um him I didn't know anything about him coming into Alabama but I liked he just looked like super dweeby and he just like seemed pretty intelligent and pretty impressive like recruiting is what Andy told us and what we were reading about but I've been pretty unimpressed with the tight ends I mean Brewers catch was nice and giving us false hope but the special teams play also I mean Dicker's been playing well so I'll give him credit for that but the return game has just – I've just been super unimpressed. I don't know about you guys, but every time Deshaun, like, catches the ball, like, I want him to to just give it up, you know? Like, I, I'd rather us just start from the 25. And we even saw, like, Xavier wave him off this game, which was just, mm-hmm. I mean, pretty interesting, I would say. Like, I think that's a little microcosm of kind of, like, where the team's at. But I think if – I think if we need a fall guy, I think we go with Coach Banks – He's more of a distraction than what the team needs right now. He's brought us plenty of memes, but if we need someone to go, I think the assistant head coach should be on the chopping block. Yeah. I, I, and I, I see that trend since X fumbles the ball, taking it out of the end zone in the OU game. We saw mm-hmm. a lot of explosive 
returns before that mistake was made. And that was that played a big part in us losing to OU. So you're you're yeah. definitely right. If we were like I think Deshaun Jameson ran one back early in the season and like special team was it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. And now there's just no there's no explosiveness and I think they're thinking about that fumble every single time they catch a kickoff. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. As far as keep I would say uh, keep an eye on what the recruiting pipeline looks like. This was a pretty big weekend for us at home. I mean, from what we were seeing on Twitter and, and from what Andy was telling us too, like we hosted a lot of, a lot of dudes and partially I'm kind of like, I feel like they were probably less impressed, less than impressed, um, you know, about the game and the loss. But my other theory is that like, we're just kind of tanking to make us seem even more desperate so that they'll really want to come and play. So yeah, I would just keep an eye on that. Hopefully we get some get some good news coming up as we um, head into the home stretch of the season. Kevin, what about you? Uh, my mistake was buying season tickets this year, um, including some away games. I'm one in four attending games this season and sick of that. Fire is easy um and i do think coach sark needs to fire a coach before the end of the season just to try to turn a page uh but we need to fire everyone on defense i'd start with pk uh also we need to get rid of blake gideon he's a a really bad omen we all know blake gideon for dropping an interception against texas tech in a big game and you know blake gideon jr wearing number 14, last name Schooler, also dropped a key interception in overtime, I believe. So big time turnover coming on defense and I'll be excited to see that. Fire everyone, but start with PK. And then keep keep Sark's buyout money. I do think it's too early to get rid of Sark. Um, it's not too early to get rid of a few, but I, I think it's way too early to start talking about firing Sark. That's all I got. You know, you know, what's funny about Gideon jr. I think schooler, I was, I couldn't really bring myself to read Twitter after the game, but I did venture on today. I think schooler was our highest rated player, at least on defense for sure. From a PFF grade standpoint, which is, I think I he let I'll us, just leave it at that. I heard he's <laughs> led us in tackles for the last two games. Yeah. So he was he was really was, active at the beginning of the game though. Yeah, he was fired up too. He was like getting excited after you know grazing people on the sideline without big hits, acting like things were big hits. Maybe he was trying to fire up the team, which I respect, but dude, you gotta catch that ball at the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah. After he dropped that, my dad turned around and was like, he was a wide receiver last year. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's on defense. It's like good take, Dad. It's true. All right. Well, we're coming up on our first break, so we'll be right back after this short ad. And we're back. So this next segment is a new one. We thought it would be fun for each of the guys here to give our own three-point plan on how to get Texas back to relevance. So what would we do 
if we were CDC or, um, you know, SARC, and how would we approach our turnaround plan? So my three-point plan goes as follows. The first one is give the coaches time. Since 2013, there was this tweet that we saw. We've had three different head coaches, five different offensive coordinators. I won't, through, I won't read through each coordinator position change, but essentially we've had so much turnover and it's just too much. We don't have any form of consistency. And I know that we have a very impatient, you know, booster base, fan base. So for fans, you know, still watching the sport, Texas sports and being impatient, just go watch men's basketball, go watch pretty much any other Texas sport and just give the coaches some time to turn this around. The second point is we need the Texas program to invest deep into NFTs and or create random shows on LHN for, for our players to just host so that they can pocket some money for appearing on said shows and ultimately just have the program essentially launder money to get recruits and transfers <laughs> and take advantage of NIL. The last point I have is for the fan base. And this is for the mental well-being of all of us, as well as just Texas fans in general. This season, just accept this as the mess that it is. Moving forward, stop listening to the preseason hype and approach next year with a level head moving forward. And I think we'll quickly see this turnaround plan come together. That, that is my three points. Jake, I will hand it off to you. Yeah, Bo, my, <clears throat> my three points are pretty similar, um, but I'll give a little bit of a different take on them. The first, similar to the fans, just forget about this season. Uh, don't worry about additional wins or losses. Don't put any stock into it. Go schedule yourself a golf round this Saturday morning. Don't even watch the game. Uh, and be glad you didn't buy those Texas Bowl tickets like Bo had uh, investing all season. Um, the first step is, and the reason this is to the fans is it's for the fans to chill, just give coach Sark CDC, the program room to finish out the season and make their big off season decisions that they have coming. Um, they don't, they don't need to hear from us right now. They're not happy either. Um, the second thing is transfer portal. Tell the wee guys to get the heck out of here or they'll never see the field again. Um, anyone who's not bought in to your, your mission, clean house. Um, thankfully, now that we have the portal in the, in the form that it is, um, I don't think a complete rebuild has to take years and years like it used to. Uh, but if it does, I think we got to give them space for it. Um, pretty tired of the coaching carousel. Um, we're paying out more buyout money than any program, I believe, in college football other than maybe one other school. There was an article a couple weeks ago. But let's, let's try something different, you know, let's, let's, if we have to suck for three, four years, let's, let's do it. I mean, that, that's not optimistic, but let's not fire a coach for a couple of years and just see if we can build on it. And then my third point is just show us, Ark, show us your plan, keep us involved. There's always going to be noise at Texas, but make us believe you and don't, that's all we want, ever wanted. And uh, that's it. My three are 
quick and dirty. Um, I agree with the sentiment about the transfer portal so far. Um, I think we need to hit that really hard and use what Xavier Worthy has done as a selling point. I think uh, Sark is still not too far off from his recent success at Alabama to tell certain players, you know, hey, you have the mold of this guy at Alabama. This is what we did with him, and this is how much success we had and where he's playing in the NFL now. I think that that, that story still resonates with uh, especially maybe college athletes that are in programs currently that they're not totally happy with. Uh, I look forward to some of the transfer portal hype, and I think that the coaches will do that um, after the Kansas State game. Um, I think my second point is more about recruiting of high school players. I think we have had way too much emphasis in the last five or 10 years on skill position talent in our recruiting classes. And, you know, recruiters are big on Twitter. They're getting big names that are highly rated. Uh, but we, we aren't bringing in adequate talent at offensive line and the talent that we are bringing in at offensive line is, is not being developed. So I, I would like to see way more emphasis on bringing in the big boys on offensive line than, you know, who the, the best offensive player in Texas high school football is on any given week. Um, those guys will come. And I don't think skill position players are going to stop coming to Texas because it's a big school with a big market, but we just need to do way more um, small town visits, you know, in communities that are farming a lot of corn and find those big boys and bring them to Austin. Lastly is, uh, you know, regardless of if you fire the coaches or not on defense, we, we need a new defensive scheme. Um, I think we went to a different front early this season. We went to like, Andy, correct me if I'm wrong, a four down front instead of a three down front that we ran last year. Um, you could say that the the bodies that we have on defense aren't really recruited to play in a four down front. So maybe that's why they're struggling so much against the run, but what they have tried all season has not worked at all. And they're not doing anything creative on the defensive side of the ball and they're getting smoked. So find something new that you can do on defense and, you know, try not to give up 300 yards on the ground to every freaking team that we play. Andy, what do you think? Kev, I was uh, impressed there that you didn't, uh, you didn't curse. So props to you there. Um, <laughs> you know, I think the biggest thing that we need to do is uh, we need to bring back the jetpack guy. We need some optimism around the, uh, the festivities of the, of game day. And, you know, we're, we've been lacking that ever since uh, 2016. So yeah, let's bring back the jetpack guy. We need him. Um, but more on serious things. Um, I, yeah, the guys really kind of hit on this already, but we, we need the, um, the turnover to come in and do its thing. Uh, Sark mentioned today how, he could easily see 33 new scholarship players on our team. That's 40% of the roster, of the scholarship roster, I should say, um, because there's 85 scholarship players on the team. So um, with that in mind, 
you know, that could be the fresh restart that we need. Maybe that takes a couple, a couple cycles, but overall, um, we just need new fresh blood into the program. Um, and I just think that's, I, I think that's something that will be beneficial going forward. And then going back to elite tendencies, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, we got to keep utilizing the players that, um, that are elite on our team. And I think the two that we easily can see are Worthy and Bijan. Um, you know, Bijan's out for the rest of the year. Worthy's banged up. So um, let's just move on from them for this year. But going into next year, um, Sark continue, has to continue to um, rely on them to go um, after them during games. I mean, that's what we did against Kansas. We went after Worthy. Um, I think we gave him 24 targets during the game and he caught 13 of them. I could be a little off, but I mean, it was yeah, I think insane numbers. 24. And, you know, that's something that Herman didn't do um, enough. Um, he didn't go after the players that, that, you know, that were elite on his team other than maybe uh, little Jordan. But outside of that, he kind of, wanted to spread the wealth around and I think Sark realizes that you can't do that and be successful um and so I hope he continues to do the same um uh, going forward all right <clears throat> good stuff guys I hope uh Chris Del Conte takes all of our advice into consideration along with coach Sark and uh, we'll be right back on the right path um since since we have all advised against putting much stock in the remaining games of the season. We're not going to preview the West Virginia game. We're not going to talk about it. We're going to move right back into basketball uh, like we we introduced to the, the podcast last week. So I'm um, going to open it up to general discussion. Just as a recap, last Tuesday, we opened the season with a dominant performance against Houston Baptist. And then on Saturday, number five, Texas went to number one, Gonzaga on the road and lost. Um, and then the new AP poll came out and Texas dropped to number eight in the country. So general reaction to the first week of Texas basketball. You know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the program still. Um, you know, we had a tough loss against Gonzaga. Um, we really didn't have a chance in the game uh, to come back and, um, you know, win that game. But Overall, I do like the makeup of our team. We're deep at every position. Uh, there's some things that are worrisome about the team going forward, especially about size. But overall, I think this is a team that um, can make a dangerous run in March if it progresses nicely. Yeah, for me, I mean, I only watched the home opener against Houston Baptist, but it was awesome. There were threes all over the place. I feel like in the past when I've watched Texas basketball, I did not expect threes to for us to make threes just across the board. And we were just shooting super well. I felt like Maury Ball being a Rockets fan. I mean, Rockets right now is just we're, – we're, we're not going to go into that. But I could definitely feel the energy um, of the Longhorns. Definitely a lot more than I think I ever experienced or maybe we ever experienced as students. I know that losing to Gonzaga was was pretty tough, but yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting season for us, and they do seem like the real deal. 
Yeah, I'm still up on the the basketball program. I didn't watch much of the Gonzaga game, but it looked like it looked like they were just kind of outmatched the whole game, but didn't necessarily get embarrassed. So I hope all of our new talent kind of learned something from that and will take some lessons about, you know, playing playing together at a higher level going forward. But it's I think the AP poll reflects that, you know, although it wasn't um you know, it wasn't fun to lose. It's not like a massive surprise. Um, Gonzaga seems pretty strong. So I'm also excited about the student involvement. I saw at the end of the HBU game, it looked like Beard called some of the students onto the, onto the court and kind of celebrated with them and, um, you know, kept with the theme of engaging the students and trying to get them out to the stadium to support. So I think that's a a good indicator that, you know, Beard's not only bringing in new talent and great in the locker room, but he's really trying to build support uh, from the students and the fan base, which is cool. Um, so I'm, I'm still excited. I'll be, be watching a lot of basketball this year for sure. Yeah, Kev, I think that's a good point um, on the student involvement. Basketball is unique because if you get the students bought in, you can really kind of rev up the atmosphere of a game way more so than football uh, or, or most any other sport. It's, I mean, you see what, you see what we see at like Duke games in North Carolina and, you know, their, their fan bases have been bought in for a long time, obviously, but Houston Baptist game was, was great. It was kind of crazy. Um, so the shooting was, so, so I remember watching a lot of stats during that game and, and commentators were like, Oh my gosh, we're shooting 60%, 65%. And it never came down. Like for the whole game, I think the, the percentage was like 64% shooting um, and 59% from the three. So, uh, and they, they carried that over into Gonzaga, even though we lost, um, still scored 74 points, um, 44% uh, shooting and 38% from three is not bad at all. But um, I, I think for the Gonzaga game, what stood out was the fact that um, we dropped back by a lot early and they didn't just give up on the game. They kind of came back in the second half and closed it to only lose by 12. I don't remember the, how much we were losing by at the highest point, but I think it was like 25 points at one point, something like that. So that's a decent comeback. I know basketball is swings, so it's not necessarily as big of an indicator. Um, but I did want to also give one shout out uh, to our women's basketball team. Um, they destroyed new Orleans last week by, over 90 points. They scored 131 points in one. And then they beat Stanford, the number three team in the country uh, this weekend. Um, upset uh, to beat the number three team. And Stanford had some preseason first place votes too. So women's basketball team, and they are starting off pretty hot. So pretty cool. Um, okay. I want to also give us a chance to preview the basketball games this week. Uh, we have two on Wednesday. We're taking on the Northern Colorado Bears at 7.30 on Longhorn Network. And on Saturday, we've got the San Jose State Spartans at 5 o'clock on Longhorn Network. Nice. I'll watch yeah, that after my think? round of golf in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think either team should really put much of a fight up against us. But uh, do you all have anything you want to add to those games? No, this is a 
easy stretch of our schedule. So hopefully we win comfortably in both games and um, yeah, and develop as well. Yeah, my only contribution is I remember Beard saying um, before the Gonzaga game that he was like, regardless of the result of the game, we'll learn, we'll win because we'll learn something about ourselves. So that's, I mean, I know that's coach speak, but it'll be interesting to see if we are able to um, actually learn from that. So I'll be looking for that. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, That wraps up our basketball segment. We will be right back after the short break to talk about our gambling corner. Be right back. This week's episode of Football on the 40 is brought to you by Stone Creek Ranch, a pleasant return to simpler times. Come to Stone Creek Ranch to enjoy activities ranging from riding Zero Dark Horsey, playing craps and landmines, watching your favorite team lose to Maryland on the indoor big screen, and coating the bar with sticky margaritas. Stone Creek Ranch, where dreams come true. And we're back with another segment of Gambling Corner. So we talked about last week's game already against Kansas. It was pretty devastating. Although, just taking a look back on some of the bets we made, Kevin actually profited from our loss. I mean, we talked about the under being a safe bet that was ended up not being a case because of this powerhouse Kansas offense that came out of nowhere. But Kevin smartly took us not to cover the spread um, and put 70 whole bow coin on it. So that was a pretty pretty good win for us on the week and ultimately we only lost a dollar and nine cents last week and that's on the backs of kevin's huge win i mean jake did not help us out he lost 80 dollars. he did not win a single bet Andy <laughs> did okay he had a four game money line parlay that ended up winning eight bucks on a 20 dollar bet partially that low because bama was minus ten thousand on the money line but hey it's positive, you know, it's positive money. So no complaints there, but yeah, being that we only lost a dollar and nine cents, we still have plenty to play, play with this week. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about what that means for us. As far as I know we, you know, we said we weren't super excited about this game. Um, If any of us are brave enough to take anything on this Texas game, the total is 56 and a half. So it is a bit lower than, what we have seen, you know, in the past weeks, so, you know, pretty consistently in the sixties and Texas is um, two and a half point underdogs as well. Are you guys interested at all in that? Or should I move on to the rest of the league? Anything, anything there? I think we're like plus plus one twenty on the money line as well. Any optimism left to, to pull from guys? Yes. Wondering- Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I, Go ahead. Uh, I, I'm going to make one bet this week because I'm on a spiral downward um, the last few weeks. I'm doing a two ca- two game parlay, and it's it's West Virginia minus two and a half. I'm very confident that they're going to win this game by more than two. Um, so that, and I still like the over 56 and a half. So parlay, West Virginia, and the over. My only game of the week, just those two. All 
Right. And is that a $20 probationary bet? $20 because I'm on probation. All right. Andy, what are you thinking about the Texas line? I'm not saying like put a bet down, but before I put my bet down, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Um, you know, it's optimistic season over here. I told the guys <laughs> to be optimistic. So, yeah, um, I'll just leave it at that, being optimistic. <laughs> I think uh, Jake's line bet is fairly solid. And I'm I'm looking at, you know, the box for the game right now. And seeing an opponent at four and six at first gave me some confidence. But then I reminded myself that Kansas only had one win. Um, so I'm I'm comfortable betting on West Virginia to cover here. And I'll put um, I'll do forty Bowcoin on that. I also like uh, just around the league in the Big Twelve the Baylor Kansas State game. Um, Baylor is playing on the road against a seven and three Kansas State. The line is Baylor minus one, and I've lost so many bets taking road teams to win, but I. I think Baylor is is going to roll through that one. It I don't see them winning by more than 10, but I think they win and cover on the road. So I'll put like 10 Bowcoin on Baylor to beat Kansas State. Andy, right. I got to get this in there because we didn't yet, but we're FPI favorite again this week, boys. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> we're back, Y'all's baby. favorite. <laughs> 56% chance we beat West Virginia. So dumb. There's no way. There's there's just no way. <laughs> Sorry. Back oh, to man. Stupid FBI. Andy, Andy, what about you? Do you like anything else out there? Yeah, I do. So, um, you know, I'm going to bypass our game for this week. Optimistic season. You know, got to bypass it. Um, so, I'm going to take a four-game Big 12 parlay. So the rest of the games in the Big 12, I'm going to go with all money line here. Um, uh, OU, TCU, Kansas State, and an upset in Oklahoma State. So that's, uh, you know, doing a little four-game parlay, kind of going off of last week. Uh, definitely a little more risky than my picks last week. Um, so I'm going to do that for $20. Uh, UTSA has a big game this week against UAB. Um, you know, I got to believe in my hometown. So uh, I'm going to take UTSA to cover for 15. And, man, I want to make one more bet. I just, I just don't know what. I don't know what to do. Guy gets one parlay, and he's, he's hooked. <laughs> Oh, that was I the other it. one. I what about do. Texas? What about Texas basketball? Do you like anything Texas basketball, Andy? Uh, I have not looked into the basketball realm, so I can't make an expert pick on that. Um, I will say I, I do like I do like Boston College to win by more than two. So I'll, I'll take Boston College to cover against Florida State. Um, Dang. Yeah, I'll do that for out of out of. Out of nowhere, okay. I got, I got one Big Ten football bet, and I, I don't know if you guys have seen this game, but uh, Michigan is on the road against Ohio State, 
It's nine and one Michigan versus nine and one Ohio State. Michigan ranked seven. Michigan State. Michigan, Michigan State. State ranked seven. Buckeyes ranked fourth. And the line is OSU by nineteen. And yeah, but have you seen Ohio State play the last several weeks? I think they played Purdue last weekend, right? And Purdue was ranked like twentieth or something. And, and they the beat Purdue. Before that, Michigan State lost to Purdue. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Nineteen just feels like a lot. So I'm gonna do ten Bowcoin on Michigan State to cover. I clearly All haven't right. learned my lesson betting on college football teams on the road. But yeah, that feels right. <laughs> All right, I like it. Cool. Well, guys, I will get this bet, these bets in. Hopefully, we yeah suffer minimal losses, and we'll get in the positive column this week. We're on a we're on quite the streak ourselves, so that would be we're we're pretty close. I can I can taste it. All right, Bo, get those bets in. We're gonna move into our last segment, our predictions for the week. You know, take this wherever you want to take it. I'm I'm taking this where I want to take it. I'm picking uh, 75. Um, I've been playing really well all year, and you know haven't played like <laughs> weekly like I'm used to. But I'll be playing golf during the game, and uh, I've been hitting the driver really well all year. If my wedge game and putting heats up, I'll scare some short par fours and par fives with birdies. Definitely breaking 80. Uh, but I'm feeling good, so I'm predicting a 75. Nice, Kev. I, I love it. I was like, 75 yeah. total? Where's he going with this? <laughs> that, was, that was solid. I liked it. Yeah, thanks for the invite, Kev. <clears throat> Let's play it together. was his way of telling us he's really good at golf. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm the only one on the pod. Well, may, maybe Andy, too that's actually going to watch this game. I think we take this one. I mean, like, it's not going to mean anything, but I feel like we take this one. We get to that crucial five win academic loophole bowl eligibility. Um, Texas takes this 35, 28. Andy, what about you? Um, you know, I've, I've been telling the guys, we got to move on from Kansas. We got to go back to our optimistic selves. Um, there's a lot to look forward to, maybe not this year, but going forward. And, you know, with that in mind, I'm going to go West Virginia 63 to 7. <laughs> Ouch. Positivity, <laughs> baby. So optimistic. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I think I, I really don't see how we win this game. Everything is trending downhill. So I'm going West Virginia by a lot, 49 to 17. And those are our predictions. I want to wrap us up this week by thanking our listeners. Um, if you've stuck with us through these last five rough games, thank you so much. We've been having a great time putting this podcast together, and we really appreciate the support. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend. But regardless of the outcome, we'll be back next week with football on the 40. Welcome. Welcome.